This is episode number three, Empathy 101. This is The Path of Imperfection, a podcast for imperfect women and the imperfect men who love them. If you are ready to show how big your brave is and lean into this human experience, join the journey. It is a cold December evening. Our weather here has finally decided that it should maybe match up to its season. We've had some exceptionally warm days. I love the cold, though. It makes for really good hoodie weather. And if you know me, you know that I live in hoodies, even if it's 94 degrees outside. Enough small talk. I'm Becky Hennessy, your host and guide down the path of imperfection. If you're just tuning in, thank you. We are on episode three, so you don't have much catching up to do. You do, however, need to go to my website, brickstherapy.com, B-R-I-C-K-S, therapy.com, and subscribe to the newsletter. That way, you can be brought up to speed on all the happenings coming up, as well as can get some extra content to help your week and relationships go a little bit smoother, hopefully. Buzzwords are great. They are fun to sprinkle into all kinds of conversations. Words like vulnerability or mindfulness, being present or shame. Today, we are going to dissect a word that is on everybody's tongue lately, and that word is empathy. Let's talk about what it is, what it isn't, what it can do, what it can't do, and why it's so important to have in your life and in the lives of those that you have in your sphere of influence. So here's what empathy is. Empathy is more than putting yourself in someone else's shoes. That's how it's defined by a lot of folks. But I define empathy as putting yourself in someone else's shoes according to their reality and their life experiences to the best of your ability. Empathy is acknowledgement of. It's the idea that this is important to you. So Brene Brown, a researcher, we've talked about her in previous podcasts, says that empathy is communicating that incredibly healing message of you are not alone. She talks about how empathy is being present with someone else in their emotions and experiences, not in yours. So let me give you an example of putting yourself in someone else's shoes according to their reality and their life experiences. When Minnie-Me was young, she had a whoopee. Now we're just going to keep it between us that she still has that whoopee because if she knew that anyone else knew that but her mom, she might die. So Minnie-Me had a whoopee when she was about two, about three. Laundry day at our house is Tuesdays. That's when we get the laundry done so that we don't suffocate in it. And that's always been, always has. Laundry day is Tuesday, theoretically. Laundry day, I would like to have consistently be Tuesday. But when Minnie-Me was young, laundry day was consistently on Tuesday. I only had one kid and, and there's not a ton of clothes that come with one kid, right? So laundry day is Tuesday. Every Tuesday, the whoopee, the blankie would disappear because it was incredibly dirty. Minnie-Me took that blanket with her everywhere. If you've watched Snoopy and you've seen Linus, yeah, that was Minnie-Me with her blankie. So it had to get washed every Tuesday. Initially, the blanket would just disappear and Minnie-Me would lose it. If by some chance I couldn't sneak it out of there and she saw me sneaking it out of there, she'd lose it. She'd go absolutely bonkers. Now, 
If I'm being empathetic towards mini me, according to my reality and my life experiences, I'm a 20 something year old mom at that time. And my reality and my life experience is, yeah, I get that the blanket's important. I get that it's your security, but it's disgusting. It smells terrible and we need to put it in the wash. Buck up. It's a couple of hours. You're going to live. You'll see it in a few hours and it'll be cleaner and you'll be grateful for it. That's my reality and my life experiences. If I put myself in Minnie-Me's shoes, according to her reality and her life experiences, as a two or three-year-old kid, that blanket is her world. That blanket is everything to her. It's security to her. If she's got the blanket, she's safe. If she doesn't, she isn't. It's much bigger than just something she lugs around with her. My security is a car and a bank account. If I have a car with me, I feel safe and I feel secure. I can get anywhere that I need to. I can get out of any situation that I need to. That's security for me. If I have money in my bank account, I feel secure. I feel like, okay, I can do whatever I need to be able to do. I'm covered. It's fine. I feel safe. If I were to go out to my garage and my car were gone, even if my endearing husband decided that he was going to surprise me and take it and get it washed or something like that, I would freak out a little bit. I would have some words to say. I'd probably be making some phone calls. It might look like a grown-up tantrum, even if the reason it was gone was for good intent because that's my security. And if my security was gone, I'd freak out quite a bit. If I open up my bank account and I realize that there's nothing in there, I'm going to have a little bit of a freak out, right? I'm going to have some conversations with some people. I might get a little bit loud. That's my safety and that's my security. So if I'm being empathetic for mini me, putting myself in her reality and her life experiences, it sounds different. Instead of, look, sis, I get it. I get that this is your security and this is your world. It needs to be washed. It's disgusting. I'm taking it. You won't see it for a couple of hours, but it's going to be fine. If you have to go cry, go cry in your room. Instead of it sounding like that, then it gets to sound like something to the effect of this. Sweetie, I know. I get it. This is everything to you. And when the blankie is gone, it doesn't feel safe and you don't feel secure. And that washer is pretty big. And you might be worried that that blankie is something you're never going to see again once it goes in there. So come down with mom. Let's put the blankie in the washer and you watch it. You sit there, you watch that washer, you make sure that blankie stays in there. And then we'll put the blankie in the dryer so that it can get dry. And you watch it and you make sure that it's fine. And then when it's all clean, you can have it back. It just sounds different. Now, in this circumstance, it took me far too long to understand that that's what needed to happen. But when it finally did, that girl was committed. She had a stool. She was sitting in front of a washer. She watched that sucker and made sure that that blankie didn't go anywhere. She'd sneak away and get some books and get some toys, but she'd come right back and she watched it. And then as it went to the dryer, she sat there and she watched it. And then it came out. I would love to say that it only took one time of doing that to make it click, but we did that for probably a good three or four weeks before she understood that Blinky was fine. When mom would take it, it would come back. That's an example of empathy. Empathy, again, as Brene has said, is being present with someone else in their emotions and their experiences, not yours. Empathy is not about you. Empathy is about them. It is a full body experience. Empathy involves 
your eyes, making eye contact. It involves facial expressions. It involves how you stand, how you sit. It involves your tone. It involves your entire body. Empathy is all about being present in that very moment. Empathy can value one's opinion, even if nothing about that opinion can or will change. It isn't a situation of saying, okay, then we're going to make this be different or okay, then this is going to be right, right? Minnie-Me's blankie needed to be washed. It wasn't a situation of where her opinion was going to change that. But empathy can hold this space of value for that opinion, even if nothing about it can or will change. Brene talks about how empathy can create and fuel connection. And that's the meat and potatoes with empathy. Our most connected relationships that we have, the most effective parents out there, the people that we connect to the very most are empathetic. That's the glue. That's what makes those relationships so connected. And that is why empathy is so important. Empathy is not agreeing with. It's not conceding. It's not fixing. It's not an acceptance of. Brene describes it as connecting with the emotion someone else is experiencing, not the event or the circumstance that's going on. So you're connecting with feeling and you're connecting with emotion. And that's why it's tricky sometimes for folks. Because some feelings are really tough and really hard and really messy. And it becomes really difficult to want to even really connect with that feeling. But that's what empathy is. It's not connecting to what's going on or the circumstance or the situation. It's connecting to that emotion experienced because of it. So empathy isn't you're right and I'm wrong. Empathy isn't being walked all over. The other thing that's important to know about empathy is that empathy cannot reside with anger. They cannot be in the same space. So if you've ever been in a really dark room or really dark cave, it's completely black, right? The second that any kind of light turns on, it's not black anymore. It's not dark anymore. Light and dark cannot reside in the same space. Empathy and anger cannot be in the same space. So if there's anger present, empathy is not going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that empathy can't ever happen. It just means that you don't try to be empathetic when you're mad because it's not going to bode well. It's not going to translate well. Empathy is also not effective when it's bridged with something else. So let me give you an example of this. This is, I love you, but blah, 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 blah. Or, gosh, I just, I appreciate everything that you're doing with this. It's just that blah, 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 blah. So it's just that, but yet, however, I've even had folks go as far as to say, nevertheless, any of those bridges are going to completely erase and eliminate the empathy. The key is you give out the empathy and then you put a period after it before stating an opinion, a feeling, an emotion, whatever, a perception, whatever. So you give the empathy, put a period after it, and then you add the stuff. So for many me, it's, sis, I get it. This is your security. This is your world. And when it's gone, you don't feel safe. Period. It's really dirty, hun. We've got to put it in the wash. Right? So I don't say, I get it. This is your security. It's your world. But it is disgusting. And so it's going in the wash. Because that but eliminates all that empathy that I put there before. So people will say, I heard her, I heard him, I listened, 
I was empathetic. I said this and this and this, but it's just that blah, 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 right? So empathy needs to stand alone. Empathy needs to be on its own. You put a period after it and then you add the other stuff. Our nation, as we know it, is in an empathy crisis right now. Here's what research says. Research says that in the last 30 years, today's kids are 40% less empathetic and 58% more narcissistic. Let me say that again. In the last 30 years, today's kids are 40% less empathetic and 58% more narcissistic. So which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is this because we are less empathetic as parents and adults, thus our kids are less empathetic? Or are our children less empathetic? And so we as parents and adults are less empathetic towards them. Regardless, empathy needs to be infused in today's society. And the best place to start that is within your home, within your own relationships. The best place to start that empathy is within the the sphere of influence that you have. And the best way to do that is to lead out by example, to evoke more empathy with your kids, with your spouse, with your family, with your close friends, with acquaintances, with folks at work. That's the best way to start to infuse this in society. It really can start with you and it can be contagious. Empathy doesn't always come naturally to folks. I think that it has a lot to do with how you were brought up. Like if you came from a very empathetic home, chances are you're probably going to be pretty empathetic. But with that said, if you didn't come from an empathetic home, maybe you've learned what you would like to have and you still can be very empathetic. I've come to find that for some folks, empathy is really natural and for other folks, it isn't. That doesn't mean it's not possible. There's a lot of different ways that you can try to cultivate empathy or you can try to become more aware of how that empathy needs to come out. But empathy absolutely needs to start with us. I'm going to challenge you to really look at where empathy is happening in your life and where it is not, where you are being empathetic and where you are not. I'm going to challenge you to step that up a little bit. And to have that empathy increase, I guarantee to you that as that empathy increases, connection increases. Absolutely, without a shadow of doubt. Thank you so much for giving me the last 15, 20 minutes of your day. I know that time is super precious and I appreciate this opportunity. I appreciate the opportunity that I have to come into your life and into your home. Again, Go to my website, brickstherapy.com and click on the subscribe button, put your email address in there so that you can get my newsletter and can be a part of that experience. Until next time, everybody. 